welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. We did it again, Ryan. We did it again. We bring people onto the podcast who make us look infinitely worse at our jobs. That's For a podcast that's continually trying to grow, it is a notably poor strategy. <laughs> we bring on people who know a lot more than us, are funnier than us, and are much uh, more well-known. Um, any combination of that three, or most often all three, and it's uh, happened again today. Although... Out of the two guests we have today, I think we're capable of replicating one of the things, successful things they did this season. I think with enough grit, determination, and effort, I too can get in a war with an entire fan base. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think it was last, when the postseason comes around, like Red Wing stuff really dies down. And if you pay attention to, to our tweets, we kind of tweet more like freely, innocuously. Like it's not focused stuff. It's just like, yeah, hey, I'm watching this game. Here's a thought. And uh, it was the, San Jose Sharks, Vegas Golden Knights. It was the infamous penalty before the four power play goals um, from from San Jose, and uh, I tweeted something like, "Oh, that sucks because that actually shouldn't have been shouldn't have been a five minute major." Just putting it out there. <laughs> oh boy, did San Jose Twitter hate me that night? They absolutely tore into me. I got called so many names, and it was just like I answered the first couple of people. They were pretty snarky, and, and I have a general rule. It's like, if someone comes at you snarky on Twitter, I try not to snark back. I give them an opportunity to, like, you know, have a conversation. And a couple people took it, and a couple people were like, F you, you stupid idiot. I'm going to cut your brakes and kill your family. I'm like, oh, you're the fourth person today to say that. <laughs> Ryan, this is Twitter. You can tweet anything. I posted a 20-second clip of one of my own games, and 80% of the re- the response was positive. Were there was there was were there people? There's a couple people who, who were taking some shots. I've seen myself play hockey. I'm aware of what the shots you can take are. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, Twitter's free, you know. Like it's funny. I post one clip in my life of myself playing hockey. A clip that ends in me scoring a goal, and people will still take a run at you. <laughs> if we didn't have our uh, preset titles for the divisional previews, uh, this episode title would be "Twitter is free." <laughs> And I am reminded of that, reminded of that every day. Um, the only other time I've been like, I again, like I'm very reined in on Twitter. Like people who think I'm opinionated on Twitter, I'm like, oh, you have no idea what I'm like in real life. Like <laughs> one time someone said that and I showed Brad. Brad's like, have they met you? <laughs> um, it was when the whole women's hockey strike uh, started happening. And I just tweeted out something, you know, in support. And uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, a lot of lot of folks came out of the woodworks, and I'm like, oh, they let you have accounts, eh? Saying those those things, you can just type those words and hit send tweet, and the police don't just come to your door after saying that. All right, okay, that's the world. <laughs> the rainforest is on fire, you know. Yep. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Beer League Brad Crisco. <laughs> Beer League Brad is good. It it works on multiple yeah. levels relative to me. Uh, I know we always uh, harp on Evan. Uh, but he's uh, away for a very good reason right now, and so um, hoping to have him back soon. Um, he will be, of course, uh, in time for the start of the season. Uh, but we'll hold back on the Evan jokes today, of course. Uh, Brad, I'm just now seeing your uh, Beer League Florida Panthers jersey back there. Funny. It's not a good logo. It's the best logo. It's so busy, you can't reproduce and it. What do you mean, Beer League? That's an actual Florida Panthers jersey. Isn't it? Yeah. Why? 
I've had that thing for like that jersey might be older than you, legitimately. No, dude, I don't even think that thing fits me anymore. That's funny. We were cleaning out the closet in uh, little man's room, and uh, that was buried in the back. I saw you have the bumper sticker that says, because uh, you had the princess on board for Mika, and now yeah. you have the king on yep. his way. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. In our sexist society, princess for girls, but king, king for boys. I was going to say, why can't Come she on. be a queen? Come on, society. Also, let's be real. I haven't even met this kid, but Mika's going to be a queen. <laughs> if someone's <laughs> ascending to royalty, Mika's running the whole ship, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> Uh, Mika, we're getting a studio because we need a studio, but truly it's because this became Mika's house. <laughs> yes, this is true. I control nothing in this building. Speaking of bumper stickers, uh, we got bumper stickers. I ordered us some bumper stickers. I didn't this is you. news to me. Yeah, I ordered us some bumper stickers. We've talked about it before, and I was like, yeah, you know what? If someone drives a vehicle in and around Michigan and you want a winged wheel podcast bumper sticker, shoot me a DM. I'll put it on mine, but like now I'm getting high in count. How long is it till I'm the bumper that that bumper sticker weirdo? Oh, uh, is it like 5 is the limit? No, I think 2 is your limit. Oh, but I think you have one for each side of the So which which kids not making the cut? <laughs> Again, it's really hard to push out Mika. <laughs> uh, this episode of the podcast, we have two interviews for you. We have uh, Allison Lucan, who's a recurring guest and a friend of the podcast, and uh, first time guest, one that we're super excited about. Uh, I'm sure most of you know who she is is uh, Sarah Sibian uh, from the Carolina Hurricanes beat and uh, the Athletic, of course. Um, super pumped to have them both on, and we will get to that. Uh, in the meantime, Red Wings preseason, it has been happening. And there's been some exciting things happening. I'll just dive right into it. Moritz Sider still looks so good, right? Like, he legitimately looks so good. And the one thing I'm really happy that he's been able to show off is his skating. It's not new. We've seen him demonstrate how good his skating is. But now that he's playing high-intensity games against other pros who are legitimately trying to clean his clock and they're fighting for their roster, they're fighting for their jobs, his skating looks so good. He's such a phenomenal skater for for such a big man. Like, it's so fluid. It's so clean. His positioning hasn't been perfect, which if it was, I'd be concerned because he should have gone higher than where he did. Um, he's also been playing with Trevor Daly. Um, and so Trevor Daly, let's put to put it lightly, had a bad year last year. Um, and his positioning hasn't always been phenomenal. That's one of his biggest knocks is for some reason his positioning has been a little bit wonky. And that's carried into the preseason. So Moritz Sider, who's trying to A, learn NHL positioning, and B, work with this defensive partner who's a veteran and knows the game, obviously, has just kind of been like, around out of not out of sorts but just around but he's been able to recover every time by getting back into position which has been really really great yes Uh, um (laughs) there have been games we were chatting uh it was uh me you prashant and max were chatting and um i was saying i was like valena looks a little bit invisible in the first half of this game um not the islanders game the one prior the game in chicago yes and I was like, he looks a little bit uh, invisible. I was like, not like bad, but it hasn't been doing as much like offensively. And uh, Prashanth was like, I've noticed that too. And I actually looked it up and they were playing uh, Valeno and Cider uh, primarily against Taves, Kane, Keith, like their top guys. And I was like, oh, they're testing him because they've always known that Valeno's offensive game is great. But they really are testing his defensive game, which is what they wanted him to work on last year. So they're actually really strongly considering using Valeno as that 2-3-C, I think. And Joe Valeno followed that game in Chicago by continuing. Again, it was a strong performance relative to what he did, and at no point in this preseason thus far has he slowed down. No. 
It's fantastic because he played against the Islanders as well, right? Yes. That was the game I missed, but I everything I was reading was saying he was even better that game than he was against the Hawks. Now, mind you, that game, the Red Wings also had Mantha and Athanasiu and Bertuzzi in the lineup. So I'm assuming Valeno was playing a little more sheltered minutes that game, which probably probably helped him. But, I mean, if Steve Eisman was being honest about we're going to sign veterans to plug holes, but none of these veterans are going to uh, prevent a young player from taking a spot if he's earned it. They're going to make Valeno earn it, and they're giving him... Yeah. They're gi- you know what you have in Franz Nielsen and Valtteri Filpola. You don't know what you have in Joe Valeno yet, so you have to give him the opportunity to know what you have. Is he going to make the team still? Probably not. Because he's still registered zero goals in these preseason, and they're going to need to see some offense from him in order for him to push his way onto the team, even if his defensive game is good. Absolutely. One guy who is absolutely earning a spot. Uh, he had an inside track to begin with for one of those final two forward spots, but I'm going to say uh, after three games, it's probably his, and now there's one spot available, is Taro Hirose. Oh, yes. He has looked fantastic. He looks quicker. He's shooting the puck a bit more than he normally does. I think he's got a goal in the preseason so far, and his playmaking is still A+. Uh you guys remember when Taro Hirose came on the scene, like there was a lot of hype about him and, and we obviously participated in it. And I was often coming out here saying, this is a small sample size. These are end of the season games, not really high intensity stuff for to get a good look at what this guy will be. He's also already 24 because yeah, he, he played through his whole college career. And that's not a bad thing. Like not every player is going to be, you know, coming at 18 and just develop and you get him in his prime all the time. It's just not the reality of how professional sports works. Um, but I was saying to kind of measure and temper expectations because that could have just been a good bout of play for him. I legitimately am a strong believer of having Taro Hirose right alongside every other good young player in a top six role. He's convinced me completely. If he and if what if he slumps, what's he going to do? Be a fantastic offensive player on uh, on the third line? Like he genuinely has been able to apply his hockey IQ to raise the game of those around him which is so important because you're talking about guys like Zadina and maybe even Valeno and other young players who are coming in and they want to find success, but they can't because Larkin is already being used to elevate the games of Mantha and Bertuzzi. And so Taro, uh, Taro Hirose is coming in and he's not only benefiting from playing uh, with other good players, but he's elevating their game. He's genuinely done a, such a good job of solidifying him as a top six guy relative to what Detroit has. I think he's been fantastic. So if you talk to most people around the Red Wings organization – the top line is set. Even Blashill has gone so far as to say that, which is the most unblashill thing ever. But so we right. know Mantle, Larkin, Bertuzzi. Second line was going to be Athanasiu and likely one of Nielsen and Philpola. And then that other wing spot is wide open. Everything we've seen in the preseason, that spot is Taro Horosis until someone proves otherwise. Yes. I, don't get me wrong. We're still high on Philip Zadina. We're still high on Joe Valeno. We're still high on all these prospects. Adam Ernie's looked fantastic. Oh, yeah. We'll, we're going to talk about Adam yeah. Ernie. This is Taro Hirose's spot until something else happens. Absolutely. Um, Adam Ernie, I think he had that uh, behind the back pass. It was behind the back pass to um, Philip Hironik, who stepped in from the point, which is another thing we're going to get to. Um, that was a phenomenal pass. And sure, it might have just been like a try. Like, you never know. Because when a guy doesn't look... If it works, amazing. And if it doesn't, you're just like, what the hell were you doing? But it was a fantastic pass from right beside the net on the red line, behind the back, through like five players uh, to Philip Ronick, who very intelligently stepped in from the point to convert the power play goal. Um, that 
the first thing I thought was Adam Ernie talking when he was traded to Detroit saying, I'm looking forward to playing in Detroit because I have a chance to have an expanded offensive role. I know I'm a good defensive player. I've proven that. He's worth the, the price of that, that Detroit paid for him just for defense alone. But he's like, I have more in my game and I just need the minutes. Man, it's one moment. It's one play. You know, it's one preseason. But it does inspire hope that Adam Ernie could actually be a very real contributor to Detroit. I'm not talking a top line guy, but if you have Adam Ernie on your third line producing both ways, Adam Ernie could be doing what the team was expecting from Abdulkader, right? Yeah. And it's, well, even a play like that, it's not necessarily that he pulled it off that makes me happy and impressed. It's just that he tried it. Because in all reality, as good as he's looked, he's still probably a bottom six forward. Yeah. Um, but out of all the other bottom six forwards on the Red Wings, who would even think to try anything creative offensively? We know what we're getting in Helm, Abdulkader, Glenn Denning, which is just a straight up chip and chase game. Get the puck to the net, maybe bang in a rebound. And hell, every once in a while, it works. Not often. That's why they're in the bottom six. But, you know, a guy like Glenn Denning will bang in a few rebounds a year and that's fine. But he's never going to make that pass. He's not going to make... Those those players aren't going to make the players around them better in the offensive zone. Yeah. So just the sign that Ernie's willing to try mm-hmm. and the fact that he's already pulled it off, a complicated move off successfully once is refreshing because those are low percentage plays. And any hockey player who's played a decent level will tell you, you don't make those plays fully blind. You know, it's low percentage. You know, it might not work, but you're aware of the players you have in the area. So you make that pass and you hope that it, it goes. It's So it's not all luck. It's some luck, but it's some recognition. You do have to have an – it's not just blindly seeing, you know, Datsuk or Zetterberg doing it on the power play. And then you're like, oh, I can do this too. <laughs> um, it's actually, yeah, analyzing the, the situation, seeing, all right, I have no other options and this is like a home run swing. You go for it. This is the preseason. It's preseason. It's a low risk scenario. Yeah, to be able to be able to one recognize that opportunity and two have the guts to do it, and three execute it. Of course, that was just exciting to see. Not a world breaker. He's not going to score a hundred points, but you know, it's uh, that's an Eiserman move, and you're like, okay, we might have just picked up a really good third liner for a throwaway draft pick. That's yep. nice to see. Um, Phil Peronik has, I think, continued his strong play. Um, that we saw last year. Um, it wasn't anything completely magical. A defenseman on the point should be stepping in how he did, but watching him convert that goal and like stepped right in, fired it right in, and like the the celebration to point to Ernie right away for that pass, like that confidence and that ability to do it. I just have such strong confidence in in uh, Hironik really stepping up this year and grasping that number one defensive spot on the Red Wings. Like I said about Taro Hirose, that second line wing spot is his until someone else says otherwise. I might go so far as to say Philip Hironik is the best defenseman on this team right now oh. until someone says otherwise. Yeah, until Moritz Sider, you know, makes the team. And even that's a long shot. Like, I think if Moritz Sider becomes Philip Hironik or what it looks like Philip Hironik is going to be, that's probably a good developmental curve for Moritz Sider. Again, no, none of these guys are Deleens or, you know, Dowdies or any of these other superstars in their prime. Um, but if we end up with the top line of a Ronick who developed really well and a Mort Sider who developed really well, that's pretty passable. That's not a bad place to start. 
you know, Detroit's going to be turning into Carolina where the right defense is the strength. <laughs> Carolina somehow keeps just adding good defense. I don't understand how they keep adding good defensemen. Do you see that they were? Uh, I'm actually, I said, to, at the, for one thing, we never talked about after the Jake Gardner contract. I kind of want to revisit because a lot of our listeners kept asking us, would you sign Gardner? Would you sign Gardner? And we kept saying, no, 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 no. I'd have signed Gardner for that. Oh, yeah. I 100% would have signed Gardner. I'd have that. signed Gardner for that well, contract. I tweeted out. It was like Gardner signed for what? Four years at 4.05? Yep. We were projecting he would want seven years or eight if with in Toronto for at least seven million, right? Yeah, six million would have been his baseline. So yeah, we would have wasted two of Gardner's years as the Red Wings get good, but uh, those back two years will still be pretty good and affordable. Four years at four million, yeah. You add Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner is a very good defenseman. He makes Toronto. He made Toronto better. He had some very memorable gaffes, like made mistakes at the worst time. As long as Detroit never plays in a game seven, they'd be fine. And you know what? It's not a problem. <laughs> not a problem right now. No, that was a phenomenal deal, and I absolutely I want to apologize to everyone because we spoke in these certainties that we really have to stop doing, which is that you know Gardner's going to need money in term, and he took half of both. <laughs> but that was a that was a shock. I saw that. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" That's what he went for. Now the obvious tenet to all of this is Jake Gardner's not going to sign for that amount of money in term in Detroit. He signed for that money in term in Carolina because he wants to win, and yeah. that that's just the reality of the situation. Um, Man, there's a statement. Involving Carolina. Yeah. Imagine that in 2013. <laughs> Actually, I, I don't know how good Carolina was in like 2013. Their playoff drought was pretty long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But you, good on Carolina, honestly. It made for it makes it for a good time for Sarah Siv, and, and we'll chat about that more later. Um, the CBA. The last time we talked about the CBA, uh, the ball was in the NHLPA's court. So just a quick recap. The NHL decided that they were not going to exercise their clause that would allow them to reopen the CBA before the 2021-2022 season. So by not exercising that clause, they said, all right, we want to see this collective bargaining agreement out through the end of the contract as we wrote it. But the NHLPA had to also um, act or not act on that clause. And they had up until last uh, sometime last week to do it. Or I believe a week ago today. It was Sunday, yeah. Yeah. And so the NHLPA could have said, nope, we want to open it up. The CBA is going to open up. We have one more season of hockey before this becomes a problem. Uh, it was one more season, right? Correct. Yeah, it was the official CBA. had. So the CBA was always set to expire in 2020, but it was 2021. But it was... No, 2022, right? 2021, 2022. So yeah, so 2020, 2022. Yeah, 2022 was when it officially expired, tw- tw- but it was tw- 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 a lot of twos. There was, yeah. there was twos. There was some twos involved. So because they chose not to opt, it, opt out, nothing changes. So now instead of the opt out clause taking effect in 2020, we get an extra two years of labor peace. Now, that doesn't mean this still won't end in a lockout. Gary Bettman has yet to have a new CBA without a lockout. And this does not count. Because this CBA was never set to expire no. until 2022. It was an opto clause, which is important to note the difference. I am happy. I am taking this as a gigantic win. Oh, yeah. We are getting three more years of labor peace. Seattle will have an NHL team. By the next CBA, there'll be gambling money and there will be a new TV deal. All the cards will be on the table. Nothing will be up for interpretation because they'll be dealing in certainties then, which in reality probably makes the negotiations worse. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take what we can get. We can, we'll can. we take it for now because, again, it just extends labor peace, and that's fine. But I'm not giving anybody any credit 
until we see a new one negotiated without a lockout because it hasn't happened yet. So at risk of Brad stabbing me, I'm not going to give anyone credit, but I do want to recognize that this was a difficult decision for the NHLPA because it was easy for the NHL to say, all right, we're not going to open this up because that put pressure on the NHLPA because that is whether or not we want to recognize it. That's a bargaining tool. Because that made it so the NHLPA looked like the bad guy if they chose to reopen it. And they could have had good reason to reopen it. Depending on how big of an issue escrow is or whatever else they want to bring up, that would have been a very good reason to reopen it. But because of the optics of it, they said, we pretty much have to concede on this one. We're going to kick the can down the road, just like the NHL did. And we are going to operate in good faith. The NHL can now turn around and stop operating in good faith. They can make insane demands, and it's not like the NHLPA can go back and say, no, 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 we want to reopen it. The NHL will be like, no, we'll see you in a couple of years. Not that that's what's going to happen, but the NHLPA did take a lot of risk by not exercising that clause. They opened themselves up. They made themselves vulnerable to say, hey, we want to operate in good faith. We're going to step into no man's land with you. Let's do this thing. So optimistically... This is the right step to avoiding a lockout. And from a purely business standpoint, too, the NHLPA, had they chose to open it up, could be running a massive risk. Because if they chose to open up the negotiations, invoke the opt-out clause, and they're like, okay, we're opening this. We can't do it. We can't deal with this escrow anymore. Fix it, NHL. And the NHL's like, okay, we can fix it. We'll fix the escrow. But uh, you know what? These guaranteed contracts. Let's talk about those. Yeah. And so the NHLP is like, okay, this isn't a hill we're willing to die on. We know the NHL will probably fire back at something even more outrageous. And then, yeah, they might get the rest grow, but then they might get absolutely rammed on something else. <laughs> and they weren't willing to take that risk. And I, I honestly, I would bet that's the main reason they chose to not open. It's just, it wasn't a hill worth dying on. I'm, uh, I'm not. And even under the current CBA, there are ways to minimize escrow, which will likely result in the cap not going up. It'll be planned cap increases. Yeah. yeah instead of just invoking the inflator or projecting at the last minute, like they'll project it sooner. It'll be less optimistic, but then there'll be less escrow required. So for the cash strap teams, uh, not cash, cap strap teams like the Leafs and whoever else, this is very bad news. For a team like the Red Wings, who has all the cap space in the world, we don't care. No. The, the thing I'm struggling with is I'm not a... I like the current cap. I understand the, the the philosophical limitations and the technical limitations on players earning their maximum wages. I'm always for workers' rights. I'm always for people earning as much as they can. You know, you're like get as much as you can from your employer, get paid your worth. Whether that you're you're talking about working in the public sector or playing in the NHL, but the hard cap has just done wonders for this league, and I think we're getting a little bit too far removed in terms of recognizing what it did to bring this league back into not only relevancy, but thriving. Uh, This league was on the brink in 2004. The NHL was not considered one of the major sports. It was considered, you know, there's the big three and then the NHL was trailing behind and falling behind like NASCAR and stuff. This league that this, what the salary cap brought in was an opportunity to properly fund this league and allow for its growth. And I'm just, I'm having a hard time advocating to get rid of you know the hard salary cap and just allowing major market teams to come and steamroll people again and having these like uh not like non-guaranteed contracts like the nfl it's all just it just doesn't sit with me i understand that there's a different school of thought and you know maybe we should bring in someone to chat with us about it to give a differing opinion but 
I hope it doesn't go that direction. I genuinely do. Uh, it's just my thinking on it. I've been on record as saying how much against the soft cap I am. Yeah, it's just it's just too wishy washy for me. I think it's it opens up too many Pandora's boxes. Too many of Pandora's boxes. Is- and this is coming from a fan base of a team that would spends all the money in the world. Oh, yeah. The Illiches would have no problem outspending out everyone else. It would be easy to be a fan of the Florida Panthers and say, uh, yeah, a soft cap would ruin our franchise. We're saying this is a team where a soft cap would probably make the Red Wings one of the elite teams in the NHL regularly again. Oh, yeah. the, the rebuild wouldn't have had to have taken so long. No, yeah, we would have everybody. We would have Eric Carlson right now making $15 million a year. We would have. Yeah. And it, you know what? It adds another uh, facet of the game that I think is super interesting. I, I, I like when a general manager actually has to do hard work. Like you think of NFL general managers, they do hard work, but oh, we signed someone and now we're over the cap, but we converted this person's salary next year to signing bonus. So that gives us more. Like you can just create cap space out of thin air. Yeah. The NHL has to have an entire teams to plan out what their cap is going to look like. And it's an actual game within the game. And I like that. I think it makes it engaging. Does the NBA even need general managers? Uh, no. Well, you have LeBron James. LeBron yeah. James. Le, Le GM. Just like it's going to be uh, every team takes uh, their fan base, takes a vote. Whoever gets the most votes get LeBron James. And then yeah. the fan votes on his salary. And they've tried things like the max and the super max contract and the veteran super max contract. And it's just... I get it. I'm not like uh, as big into those sports, but I I really think what the NHL has works for what the NHL is, and that's important to recognize where the NHL stands. Yes, they're a major sport. Yes, they're a multi-billion dollar revenue organization, but they are far behind what the NFL, the MLB, and um, the NBA do. All right. Metro Division Preview. We are going to start off with our interviews, I think. Yes, of course we are. So... A uh, longtime friend of the podcast, uh, someone we know you all love hearing from, Allison Lucan, uh, is on to talk to us about the Columbus Blue Jackets. So tune in and enjoy that interview. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast's uh, exciting Metro Division Preview interview with Allison Lucan. Allison, this must be your fourth or fifth time on the show, so we're doing something right. Thank you so much for coming back on. <laughs> I love talking with you. This is great to be part of the show. Uh, so this is... Uh, Hockey's kicking back into gear. We're bugging you to come back on the show again, Allison. Um, a lot has happened in Columbus over this past offseason, and uh, some of it to nobody's surprise, but a lot of it is still just a lot to absorb. So I guess broad strokes question here. What's the feeling like uh, in the organization with the uh, the, the players or the fans? What's the uh, anticipation like coming into this season? Yeah, it's a great question because I think what has happened – um, at all levels, inside and outside of, of the team, is I describe the attitude as defiance. I think that people are sick and tired of hearing about everyone who left. They're even more sick and tired of answering questions about everyone who left the team. Um, and I think that that has really galvanized the fans and the organization. Now, um, that doesn't mean that everything is hunky dory, there's obviously going to be holes to fill. But this is a group also that historically plays some of their best hockey when they have a chip on their shoulder. Uh, this is this is the same kind of attitude the group had when they went on that 16-game win streak a couple seasons ago. So I think at the very least, it should be a fun season um, for everyone involved because everyone's really pulled together in, in quite an interesting and um, pr- intriguing way, quite frankly. Now, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, we will ask you about the players who left later on. <laughs> But just to go more off that point, how impactful was uh, locking up Zach Wierenski for this organization in terms of kind of that galvanization and bring together the group? 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that um, what, what was really good about that negotiation was that um, you know, the, everyone I think started to figure out nationally as well that this was all a game of who was going to go first um, in the RFA class, both as in terms of forwards and defensemen. And so, throughout the entire summer, everyone in this situation specifically was saying that there's no animosity. This is just a uh, figuring out when we get the deal to what we want it to be, and it came together with with no anxiety, with no ill will, and you know, to have a defensive core that really is going to be um, the, the biggest part, the biggest strength of this team in this season to have Zacharinsky, Seth Jones locked in, ready to go is, is massive. So after the Wierenski contract was signed, it wasn't too long after that Charlie McAvoy received a very similar contract. So do you think Yarmo uh, received some sort of fruit basket from the Bruins front <laughs> office? You know, I don't know. It's it's a it's a great question. I, I found I always find it interesting to watch how deals change the landscape or introduce a new wrinkle. And and I don't think that what happened with Rensky was you know this massive revel, revelation. But it was interesting how the deal was structured, right? To be really player friendly in that last year, so that arbitration is going to be as high as it possibly could be given the terms. Um, so I think it was more interesting. And I think that might be something that maybe other GMs are like, hmm, that's something now we're going to have to deal with too. Um, but the the weapon the Jackets do have now and should have for the next couple of years, and it will be key, is cap space. So playing that deal the way they did, I think, is is important. So not overly relevant to cap space this season, but it might be next summer. The biggest question mark for Columbus is goaltending right now. It looks like they're going with Corpus Allo and Merzlikens, and this might be the most unknown group in the NHL for a team that realistically probably is expecting to make the playoffs again this year. Do you see them riding this out for half a season and then making a move if need be, or do you th- see them taking a long-term approach with this tandem? Yeah, I, well, I think that this is the tandem, uh, barring anything catastrophic. I think this is the tandem that rides out the year. I think it may not be the tandem that is in place next year because these are two players who are going to be fighting for a number one spot. Um, and I think that if they end up with two guys who can do that, there's a chance that one of them gets moved um, and then they develop another player in their goaltending pipeline for the backup of the future and, and slowly eventually becoming the number one as well. This is the biggest question mark. This is this is the thing no one knows. I don't know. The players honestly don't know for sure either. Um, but I, it's an interesting gamble. And, and I was just talking to my colleague um, Aaron Portsline about this today at, at practice. Corpus Allo, who's the one who has been in the organization the longest and has backed up Sergei Bobrovsky these, these recent years, he's definitely playing differently. Now, again, I, it's too early for me to say this means he's ready to go in the NHL and, and, and meet the expectations of being a true number one. Um, but maybe this is part of what he needed too, was to say, here's your chance. You know, you're not needed to wait in the wings. He looks quite good this preseason, and he he's carrying himself differently, a little more confident. So there are signs to be cautiously optimistic versus cautiously panicking, at least early in terms of the netminders play. <laughs> now, the headlines on any story are obviously going to read with Bobrovsky's name or Panarin or Duchesne or what have you. Um, but looking into Columbus's roster, does this seem to be uh, the kind of situation where they're primed to 
maybe pass the torch on to this next generation of players who are going to step into the, these roles just because of expanded ice time and responsibility. I mean, you look at Ryan Murray and David Savard, that's a defensive group that a lot of people set, like significantly underrate. And then people don't also realize that Cam Atkinson put up 40 goals. Uh, Alexander Texier, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that right, uh, is a fantastic young prospect. And then they also added uh, Gustav Nyquist, who put up a very quiet uh, 60 points. Um, is there a world where th- this Columbus group doesn't have the same amount of star power, but generates the same amount of uh, output or at least uh, placing in the standings? And now I'm going to send you a fruit basket for acknowledging Cam Atkinson (laughs) Um, because, you know, he it it floors me. um, And and I say this honestly, as as much as I think I am in terms of being, you know, a, a reporter without bias or fandom. It has floored me in this narrative, the national narrative, which is necessary when they talk about where the goal is going to come from, that I so rarely hear Cam Atkinson's name. Um, and he is extremely talented. He's extremely talented defensively as well. He's a huge part of their top penalty kill unit. And, and I just, it shocks me that he doesn't get more attention on the national stage. I think that he has the ability. And I think, like I mentioned before, he's one of those players that's really motivated to say, screw you. We're going to show you that we can do this. He scored 31 goals the year before Panarin came to Columbus. So, This is a guy who can score. He's going to have to do more. And and I do think you're right. I think guys like Alexander Tessier are going to be a a really important part of this group. He's currently skating on the top line on the left side, a a situation I don't think any of us saw coming. Um, But he looks comfortable there. He seems to fit there. Uh, You have guys like Josh Anderson, too, I think is going to be asked to score more. Guys like Oliver Bjorkstrand, Pierre-Luc Dubois. But as you mentioned, all young players, all players who can continue to be asked to develop. And I think that there is a way to replace the scoring. It's just that it's going to have to come a little bit from everywhere um, versus that one big star power. So the reason uh, I was able to pin down Kim Atkinson is because every Red Wings fan knows who he is because he has the seeming unfettered ability to walk every Red Wings defenseman and undress every Red Wings goalie. (laughs) To be fair, that's not just a him thing. (laughs) He excelled before the decline of the team. I remember, I think it was his rookie season where he had a disgusting shootout goal on us. And I was just like, oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. He works on that. (laughs) Uh, This is completely off topic, Allison, but I don't want to lose the thought. The last time we spoke, it was before the last season of Game of Thrones, correct? Yes, yes. How do you feel about the ending? Oh, well, okay, here's my thing. I'm totally, well, I'm not totally, but I'm mostly okay with where the stories ended. I just feel that the storytelling was so poor um, and so out of line with what the early seasons and those of us who've read the books know that it was was a cheat. Um, And I think that because the story had been so rich that it deserved better. That's my opinion. This is going to be fruit baskets going back and forth this whole interview. <laughs> That's all it's going to be. <laughs> okay, so um, we're going to put you on the spot here. Uh, what we've been asking people who come on, uh, the experts in their divisions, uh, is to make completely too early, non-binding uh, predictions for the standings in the season. So oh boy, okay. If you're comfortable doing it, you don't have to if you don't want to because I know how you know the Twitter crowd can be. But uh, we're going to do it too afterwards okay. uh but from top to bottom or bottom to top what would your off the top of your head standings be for the metro this year 
<sighs> so it, it's tough. And I mean, we, we, those of us in the Metro have learned this, right? That everything we think we know, we don't know. I right. mean, look at the Islanders, for example. Um, but it's interesting. So I was just having this conversation with someone. I don't know if I'm necessarily comfortable ranking, but I feel like there are bunches, okay. right? So I, I do think uh, that the top group, the, the group that's really going to be kind of vying for those top spots is Carolina, Washington, Columbus, and Pittsburgh. And I would, that actually might be my rank. Those are kind of ranking slash groupings. Like I think Carolina and Washington are, are the strongest right now with goaltending being a question for Carolina, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Pittsburgh has taken a step back, it would seem. I think Columbus, is, as we've just kind of talked about, can vie for a spot there. It, it, for them, it's going to come down to goaltending. Um, I kind of see New Jersey, the Islanders kind of in the middle. Um, then I see the Rangers, the Flyers sitting there closer to the bottom. And I want to be clear, I'm not piling on the Rangers. I think the Rangers are going to be a massive powerhouse, but it's going to take a couple years. They're just young, um, and it's going to take some time for them to develop. So those are kind of, does that make sense in sort of answering? (laughs) Oh, no, that's fantastic. I I know how completely unfair of a question it is, and we're taking liberties because we're so familiar with you, but no, the, the tiers are amazing. That's actually probably what we should start doing. Because we do actual rankings and we're never right. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's the thing. Like, honestly, this time of year, have some fun with these things, you know, because, again, I don't know anyone who's ever gotten this stuff right. And even when it gets right, you get the Tampa Bay Lightning and then they can't make a statement in the playoffs. So <laughs> it's all fun and games. Um, okay. Actually, here's a question that will be relevant to the, the listeners. We did a Patreon exclusive episode where we ranked jerseys and it, it went kind of haywire. Um, sure. and we We're made very passionate about the jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. We made the mistake of being, um, uh, finding consensus picks between the three of us hosts. Well, we, and it was wildly off the board. Yeah. There weren't any consensus. Um, <laughs> the Columbus blue jackets, third Jersey, the Canon Jersey. Oh boy. Yes. On a scale, like our tiers were elite, great, good, poor, bad, and oh god, my eyes. Okay, that's a lot of tiers. Go ahead. That's a lot of tiers. I personally think it's a it's a at least good jersey. Brad is I'm not as sold. That's fair. <laughs> Where do you put the Canon third jersey? Okay. This is – and listen, I get it because, like, there are few fights like fights over the Columbus third jersey in Columbus. Um, people either love or hate them. I, I think they're good to great, but I am also – I'm a big fan of that big round – like, I love the Habs jersey, right? Like, that's just mm-hmm. – that's the kind of design I connect to. I love the thirds. I think that they're fun. I think that it's a really good distinct third, right? It's not like, oh, we just did – a different color blue. And now this is a third with a different font. Like I think they went in a different direction. I I'm a fan. Um, but I, but they are very divisive (laughs) in Columbus for sure. Winnipeg's offended by that one statement there about just changing the color. (laughs) Well, listen, so everybody's offended about something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Allison, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we're already looking forward to the next time we have you on this season. Um, appreciate you, uh, going under the, 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 the light here and um, putting those tears forward and giving us insight into what to expect from Columbus and the Metro. Uh, everyone, I know you already follow Allison, but um, at Allison L on Twitter. Uh, you can also find her, of course, on The Athletic. Um, and Allison, we'll talk to you again soon.
Yep. Thanks so much for having me. And shout out to my girl, Sarah Sivian. You're getting one of the best today. She's going to put my work to shame here. <laughs> and that was our chat with Allison Lucan. Um, really smart of her to do bunch tiers instead of the rankings. I think that was a really great way to uh, to get to giving us analysis while also protecting herself from looking as dumb as we do when we give our, <laughs> our solid rankings. So that was uh, great to hear from Allison. Obviously, we're going to have her back on plenty. And uh, most importantly, I'm glad she agrees with me about Game of Thrones. So yeah, we owe her a couple uh, fruit baskets. Uh, now our next interview, we're going to just jump right into the next one. Uh, that was Columbus. We're going to be talking about the Carolina Hurricanes and who better to bring on than Sarah Sivian, uh, the athletic uh, writer and beat... Um, uh, the person on the beat for the Carolina Hurricanes um, has taken Twitter and social media by storm this past year as well. By storm surge. There's a pun there that I should have thought out before we started recording and I didn't. Uh, so tune into our first ever interview with Sarah Sivian and enjoy. Welcome to the Wing Wheel Podcast. Exciting first ever interview with Sarah Sivian. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. God, anytime, boys. What's up? Uh, we caught you on a great day where uh, you were without caffeine and an apartment. <laughs> so. Yes, I'm a little homeless right now. My um, apartment's being shown, so I was running around, and I was like, oh, no, I have to be in the podcast. So I got some coffee, and now I'm sitting, coming at you live from the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. <laughs> this happens a lot. I think one of the first times Max came on the show, he was in his car as well. I love Max. I, he's, Max is amazing. Max is uh, one of like the premier... Hashtag friends of the pod. So he's the unofficial fourth host, really. <laughs> he actually, yeah, he really is. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so Sarah, you're uh, you covered Carolina for the first year uh, on the beat last year. Could you have yeah. possibly <laughs> asked for a better year to, to come into this team? No, everyone keeps saying that. It's like, oh, like yeah, of course. Um, I had fun, but it's like I, I never would have thought that would have happened. But um. I mean, I knew things were gonna were on the up and up with Rod Brindamore, and um, I knew it was gonna be a great team to cover in terms of like PR because they have the, some of the best PR people in the um, in the league. So I knew I'd be able to like write kind of the stories that I want to write within reason, and um, it, it just ended up being the best subject ever, too. So. <laughs> And the good thing is, it's they're they're not all uh, easy stories to write. Like you have to flex your muscles a little bit, especially with the uh, Sebastian Ajo. Um, I don't want to say saga because that was nothing compared to the rest of the RFAs this year. But with that offer sheet, that was a uh, that was a ride, and and I think you handled that really well. I, I, a, a whole fan base on Twitter still seemingly is lining up to to in your mentions from time to time. But uh, how? What was that like? I never thought I never thought Habs fans would come at me for hurricane stuff right because i used to be a bruins reporter but i mean life is funny i just they, i've never seen a group of people be so incorrect and so mad at the same time so <laughs> i was just like i shouldn't have responded but i just couldn't help myself but it got to a point where it's like this is not a great reflection of what i want to be putting out into the world so i've tried to tone it down well let's talk about the actual contract in that case um has there been a huge breath of relief lately from uh, Carolina fans in their camp, especially considering uh, the Marner contract that just came through. Yeah, and that's the thing. You're going to start seeing all that. You're going to start – there's still um, Rantanen. It's like – I think Braden Point, right? Yeah, um, I think Sebastian wanted to come to camp. That's basically it. And if you know him, you know he's just one of the most focused people ever. And he the, – the thought of not showing up on time probably would have really bothered him. And that was the main thing for him. And um, he knew that the Hurricanes weren't going to budge in terms of term, 
they were they probably would have paid a million more than what they had originally offered. Um, but it was, they wanted him for long term and he wanted more of a bridge deal. It's great that he got that. Uh, well, it's great for Carolina fans that he got that five year deal. And it's great for him because he walks right into unrestricted free agency. And uh, it's allowed the team to kind of reset. So last year's Carolina Hurricanes were, you know, take the league by storm, uh, kind of surprised people with how they were producing uh, on ice and in the standings. Does that focus shift this year to be we now have very real expectations and we should be top yes. of the pack? And yes, and honestly, it should have always been expectations. If you look at their underlying um, stats, it's just, they had always had the expected goals were there, like off the charts. The um, just obviously the Corsi Kings, and that doesn't mean that much, but it kind of does. And um, they just needed league average goaltending to put together, and they needed to start finishing chances. And then Nito Niederreiter comes in and just has. Uh, goes on a tear. Um, sorry, Victor Rask, but like that was <laughs> that was crazy. And um, he just had the finishing touch, and Mrazek got hot at the right time, and McElhaney could help out when needed. And it was just um, things in the second half really started to come together at the same time, which is like usually this team is so unlucky. So it was a twist of fate. But now they just they have to keep it up, and they have to get better. And with the roster they assembled, I think they will. But so is the rest of the Metro. So speaking of that late season success, obviously Carolina has never been billed as one of the more rabid hockey fan bases in the NHL, but that run to the conference finals, what was the mood around town like during that period? Well, before I got to Carolina, people would always say, just wait till they make the playoffs. Like, yeah, they have a reputation for not being a great fan base or whatever, but uh, just wait till they make the playoffs. That's one of the best barns, if not the best barn in the NHL and it was definitely the best barn I went to by far in the playoffs. And I mean, just some of the guys that had been on a few teams all agreed that that was the most fun playoff atmosphere to play in. Um, Cause it's like college sports town. And then all they're all of the fan bases are coming together to root for one thing. So it gets just really rowdy. Now the Carolina hurricanes defensive core, I don't want to call it underrated. I think people are very aware of good, uh, how good Jacob Slavin is, how good Brett Pesci is, and those are two of the yeah. best contracts in the league. Um, but they seemingly keep getting better. They brought in Jake Gardner on a phenomenal deal, which was extremely surprising. He, he came in probably 2 to $3 million cheaper and 2 to 3 years uh, shorter term than I would have expected. Does that come directly from the success that Carolina put out? Was that getting him to buy into a winning culture? Yeah. I mean, I've been talking... We've all been talking to him about it, I guess. And he just said he saw um, a team that could win the cup and his best chance to win the cup. And he liked the the term and he figured, let's do it. So I was reading an article this week uh, from another friend of the podcast, Sean McIndoe on The Athletic, where he ranks the, yeah. bizar- the bizarro meter for every team in the NHL. And uh, the Hurricanes bizarro meter came in at a 9.1 out of 10 this offseason. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I was never bored. (laughs) (laughs) The main reason he cited for this was when current GM Don Waddell was interviewing for the GM job for another NHL franchise while employed as the GM of the Hurricanes. Nobody's ever seen that happen before. So what was it like covering that? (laughs) Yeah, that was – you're going to see a lot of that with Tom Dundon where things that have never – happened before happening and I mean it's up to you if you can 
however you want to take them. They, I think they have some good things, some bad things, but, um, I mean, I don't, if I'm being honest, I don't think that's great for like the confidence of an employee, right? Like I, Don wanted a contract and, um, he felt like he had to do that to go to get one and he got one, but it's like, why didn't you just give him a contract? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, there's a little bit of a connection. Actually, you know what, before I dive into the Detroit stuff, I just want to ask it flat out with no segue here. The storm surges that, I mean, that's the highlight. Whenever people think about Carolina over the past year, they just think of the storm surges. How special of a thing was that, you know, to really get the fan base to buy in and just watching the rest of the league react to it. Um, I mean, they need like the fan base needed a rallying cry. I don't think it was even about the players that they didn't need that. They had that in Rod Brindamore. I think I wrote about that, but the fan base needed something. And um, that was, that was a good call by Dundon and Williams. I think Dundon came to Williams and said they, like they got to figure something out. And then that was Williams's brainchild and he's missed already. But um, I always think about, um, Rod Brindamore's kid, um, oh my God, what's his name? It begins with the, uh, Brooks. Brooks. He was doing one of the uh, storm surges, and I just saw that, and it like warmed my heart. And just all the little kids clapping at their TV, buying their first pucks, and stuff like that. Like, and obviously the adults too. Like they, they had been through hell for the past decade of this godforsaken team, and finally it was like they could just have fun. When you're in the room post game, were you dropping any uh, ideas in Justin Williams' ear about the next storm surge? Um, he actually asked me once. I was like, I, I was trying to write a story about how he figures them out, and he was so top secret about it that it was almost funny. And um, he he asked me if I had any ideas. I was like, no, I, I definitely don't. And um, then he just got really serious, and he was like, all right, Warren. Like Warren Fogle was over there, and he was like, I, I need you to think of three ideas by lunchtime, like making fun of it like it was some serious <laughs> thing. But um, I I never really got to know how they come up with them. I'm just saying, Sarah, if you they have you out there with like a basketball hoop and have a Habs fan <laughs> walk out in their jersey and have you literally dunk on a Habs fan, I don't think they could beat that. Oh God, no! That that time is the ship has sailed. I don't think they're gonna do them this year. I don't know, but like it's weird without Williams. Yeah, well, I don't think it can just be as simple as Sarah dunking on a Habs fan. It has to literally be Sebastian Aho throwing it up to her for the alley. <laughs> I would do that. I would do that. <laughs> so uh, you have some connections to Detroit. Well, first of all, Carolina does in Peter Mrazek, uh, and I, I'm. When Peter Mrazek left Detroit, it was a little bit contentious because obviously he's yes. an extremely skilled goaltender, um, and the team chose to move on from him. Uh, and so Red Wings fans have been cheering for Carolina a lot, uh, mainly because of Peter Mrazek and his success. It looks like you guys have found the Mrazek, so so to say, like the Mrazek, the Mrazel Dazzle, yeah. Uh, has he kind of stepped up as the goaltender who could, if he's on the right streak, carry Carolina through a playoff run? Or is goaltending still a little bit of a question there? Um, no, this is his year to prove that he's a consistent goaltender, right? Like that last year he proved that he could be a number one. And this year it's all right. Can you keep doing that? Like I, it's just that mentality is never going to go away. That's why I like the, the deal he's on right now. It's not too long. So you don't waste Ajo's prime years if, uh, something goes wrong, but it can be like a bridge to a, a longer contract. But um, I think something that changed for him is he got a sports psychologist. And because uh, you, if you know him, you've seen him play, you know that he's like a hot and cold type 
uh, goalie. And yeah. when he's on, he's on and he's doing like backflips and he's getting pumped up and like, but when he's off, you can just see in his facial expressions and stuff like that. Um, I think a sports psychologist really helped him. Have you ever seen uh, the highlight of when he was playing for the Czech Republic at the World Juniors and they <laughs> upset? Yeah. Uh, just an article suggestion, take it or leave it. Just have, play that video in front of him and have him commentate on it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I I need to do that now, even if it's just for my Twitter feed or something. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> he That's another reason why he's perfect for this team. Like, he, of course, he would do a storm surge. Have you seen that? Like, uh, oh, yeah. I love that that's the um, IIHF um, – logo for next for when it's in um czech republic in his hometown now you do have uh some other connections to detroit and we were chatting about this before we started recording yeah, i just uh, just be mainly being i love detroit <laughs> which is an amazing like you are already gonna win over all the listeners but you have just won over you know thousands of winged wheel podcast listeners who are automatically <laughs> sarah Siv stands um <sighs> I I grew up just across the river, and I spend about half of my time uh, of of being awake defending Detroit and how amazing downtown Detroit is. Uh, people you, who make fun of it have never been there. Um, oh, I, never it all been. started, yeah, no, 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 and it's just some joke. But they live in some stupid suburban, boring town. I guarantee it. But um, it all started for me when it was the Big Ten tournament, um, and I was covering Penn State hockey a few years ago. It was in Detroit, and. It was just they won in double overtime two nights in a row in single elimination. And it was just – it was walking around Detroit magical. Like you can't beat it. And then I, I come back like every year, not even when I'm uh, covering hockey, just to hang out in Detroit. Well, the next time you're down, Sarah, let us know. And then I'm sure a lot of the podcast listeners would love to meet Sarah Siv on their way to a hockey game. Have you seen Absolutely. the LCA? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Canes played there once last season. And, right. Oh, it's so nice. Beautiful. I mean, I miss the Joe, but whatever. Yeah, you know what? We all miss the Joe, full of heart, full of spirit, but... <laughs> it needed to change. It, it need, yeah, it lived its life. It was a good life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was getting to a point you can't even see. No. Yeah, it was the dump, but it was our dump. Yeah, so I had one of the best moments of my life there, so... Ooh, what's that? Can we sit? Can Just we when, that, when Penn State won the Big Ten tournament. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so last question, and it's more directed at you, about you, Sarah, is uh, this first year on the beat, we talked about that. You found this balance between connecting with just the everyday average fan on Twitter and putting yourself out there um, as a person, as a human being with real opinions and emotions and feelings, but being an obviously an incredible professional writer as well. And very obviously, you've taken Twitter by storm. Everyone knows who Sarah Siv is now. <laughs> oh, God, thanks. What, what's that been like for you? Like, how's that rise? Uh, were you expecting this coming into uh, Carolina? No, no. Um, and it's funny because people, like, when I was going to take the job, they were like, are you sure you want to go somewhere ir- irrelevant or something? But, it, like, it, <laughs> n- nothing could have helped my career more. Um, I love it. I, like, around here, I'll be walking around. Like, I'm not trying to sound cocky or anything, but I'll be walking around and someone's like, oh, my God, hi. And I, like... I love being able to say hi to people and like meet um, people around here because everybody's so nice and the community is just it's it's a special place. Raleigh and um, Canes fans are special. And I think we just connected because they know they get it um, and they wanted somebody maybe to write with passion. And um, I'm uh, that's just who I am. So I don't know, like in, in Boston, they were kind of looking for a reason to be mad when the team was good and i think in carolina they're looking for a reason to be happy when the team's bad like and now that the team's good it's 
it's great to be along for the ride no matter what. Well, it's going to be an exciting year ahead. Uh, we're definitely going to have you on again. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on and good luck as uh, you prep for the season. Oh, thanks for having me. Definitely um, when the Canes are coming back to Detroit, I'll, I'll come on the pod. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. And we're back. Uh, if you noticed uh, that I forgot to ask Sarah for her rankings, you're right. I did forget to ask Sarah for her rankings. <laughs> so apologies uh, for that one. But Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, as for everyone that we bring on, because we only bring on incredible guests, uh, very excited to have her back again. Um, if you don't follow Sarah, you're not laughing half as much as you could be on Twitter. She's an amazing follow. Um, the way we splice in these interviews is we record them before the episode. And so we do these pauses just for the sake of editing afterwards. And Brad after I introduced the Sarah interview, showed me a tweet that she made about, uh, was it PNC parking lot? Uh, yeah, Montreal offer sheeted Carolina's parking cones. <laughs> okay, honestly, now we're going to we're going to go back to that Aho deal. That was a gift, right? That was a it was an absolute gift. Mark Bergevin gift wrapped Don Waddell summer for him and allowed him the time to go negotiate for another GM job. Everyone's I I was my opinion at the time, and some people told me to rein it back because I would think they thought I was being too you know pro player and he shouldn't be getting that much. That contract was a gift, and Mark Bergevin did not make a good offer sheet. He essentially just gave, did Carolina a favor. If you're gonna go in on an offer sheet, just go in, man. Go balls to the wall. What are you doing, Mitch Marner money? Yeah, honestly, like if that if you if you want that guy and you know that's how much he's going to cost, pay him Mitch Marner money. Don't don't do it, please. God, Mitch Marner's making too much. Um, yeah, but it was really surprising to me. Speaking of which, the Ranton and Point deal still haven't happened. They're going to make a billion dollars, right? If they play this year, did you see the report on uh, what the offer was to Ranton? No, it, it would come out to like two to three million dollars less per year than Marner. Ha! <laughs> that's not going to get it done. Yeah. I am of the mind that I would rather have Ranton than Marner. Not by a lot, but not by a lot. But if you had to pick one, I would take Ranton. I disagree with that. Right. But we disagree. But do we disagree a $3 million difference per oh, year? Oh, yeah. God, no. We disagree oh, like $100,000 difference per year. Yeah. Braden Point must be sitting there going, no, no, no. Add a one in front of that, please. <laughs> yeah. You're missing a zero, boys. Yeah. There's... Dubas did what he had to do for Toronto and also must be smirking because the other GMs, the other GMs are that Ben Affleck meme that I love right now of him just standing like gut out with a cigarette in his hand going, oh, <laughs> I joke a lot. I, I, I talk in, uh, when I'm talking to my friends in like group chats and stuff, I talk like a dumb teenager, ironically, but I say things like that's a whole mood. That picture is a whole ass mood. Just Ben Affleck with a cigarette looking exhausted with the world. And like, hey, Ben Affleck, the whole Amazon rainforest is on fire. We're all going to die. Oh. So what's your TikTok handle? Oh, okay. no. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was talking with a friend, actually, who wanted to know more about the podcast. And um, she was like, so you're... She's like, I'm a pretty private person. I don't like a lot of people knowing my personal life. And that's something I struggle with. I was like, yeah, I used to be too. And now you can Google me. <laughs> a coworker the other day said, hey, I found your uh, Twitter account. And I went, oh, God. <laughs> it's, oh, just, no. it's, just how you pro- it's just how you set everything up when you discover the internet. Everybody still thinks my name is Brad. <laughs> it's actually Evan. You're Evan in a mask. <laughs> Evan is also Evan. Don't ask. Uh, all right. The rest of the Metro Division preview. Um We'll start with the Washington Capitals. Now, Washington's in a funny spot because you just 
you did what you set out to do two years ago. You won the cup with a team that you really didn't think you was the best team to win the cup with. Um, you were at the tail end of your window, so to say, and a lot of people thought that you had missed it because there's objectively better teams on the ice, but they still managed to do it. They are still, by virtue of amazing talent, top-end talent, and be some weak competition in that upper echelon of Metro Division competitors. I think they still are playoff contenders, yeah? Much like I said about Taro Hirose, much like I said about Philip Ronick, the Washington Capitals are the best team in that division until another team says so. And uh, nobody said so in a bunch of years. Alex Ovechkin is seemingly allergic to scoring less than 50 goals a year. Doesn't matter how he ages. I think he said he wanted to cut 20 pounds, which will bring him in at a very slim 220. <laughs> oh, my God. The guy is a fridge. He is a brick shithouse. Absolutely. I know you guys don't. I know some of you guys don't like swearing, but like he is legitimately a brick shithouse. He is. Well, you saw when he dropped uh, Svechnikov. Yeah. Like, that Sorry, is Sarah. an absolute. He just dadded. Like he's that. He's his father now. He is a dad skating around scoring 50 goals a year. Oh, and God. he will, he'll stop when he wants to. They still have Nicholas Backstrom. They still have Braden Holpe. They still have John Carlson. They still have Evgeny Kuznetsov for 79 games. Yes. Uh, three game suspension for Kuznetsov. You know, I saw a lot of people getting mad at a three game suspension for Kuznetsov. It's like, I don't look. I think it was okay for them to go back and suspend considering the publicity of it and all. But a lot of people are like, it should have been more. I'm like, you're saying that now until your player gets caught doing coke. Because we mentioned this before. It's a cocaine is a rich young man's drug. And what's the NHL full of rich young men? If you don't want to know more about it, don't look into it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ignorance is bliss, children. Uh, yeah, there's a reason there's not more attention because then there would be a lot more suspensions. But yeah, like you have you have goaltending locked up. Braden Holtby has the capability to be an elite goaltender on any given night. Um, I think they're they have sneaky good defense. They have Nick Jensen as a de- depth defender, and Nick Jensen, as we know uh, from covering him in Detroit, is a very solid defender. Um, one of the better. Uh, defenders in terms of underlying stats and playing actual pure defense. And they took a declining Nick uh, Matt Niskanen and turned him to a serviceable Radko Gudas. Yeah, they got a lot to work with. They made small tweaks. They lost Burakovsky because he was only getting 11 minutes a night. Jakob Verana should take another step up this year. Again, the only question around the Washington Capitals is they're slightly older. Um, yes, and, and that's the thing. They've, they've been getting slightly older for like five years now, so... If Ovechkin can't carry the team and if Backstrom gets hurt or something like that, there's going to be issues. Backstrom's going to be 32 and this is after this year, and this is the last season of his contract. He's making 6.7, which for his, the duration of that contract is one of the biggest steals in the NHL that we're not talking about. He's going to be 32, and he might ask for a contract that essentially backpays him, like kind of Kopitar and Doughty did, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him get it from Washington. Yeah. Because he'll ask for a seven-year deal, and he might ask for something like – uh, a cap hit that's high enough to offset what he wasn't contributing before or what he wasn't getting before. Um, and you know what? The the game that Backstrom plays would allow him to thrive in his later years, I think. He's a, one of the smartest players we've seen in this generation of hockey. Ovechkin and Backstrom, aging, yeah. in their 30s. Neither of them rely on their speed. No, no. Um, okay, so the New York Islanders. Can you hear it, Ryan? That's the sound of regression to the mean. Uh, the Islanders had a big season last year and proved a lot of people wrong, including us, including everyone. Didn't make sense. How do you lose John Tavares and get better? 
Goaltending. Goaltending. And what guess they, what they lost? Their goaltending. Semyon Varlamov has demonstrated that he can be a very capable goaltender. He's an underrated goalie. He's he doesn't get enough credit for how solid he is. But do you know what solid isn't? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what Robin Leonard was last year? Great. The issue I have with that whole contract was the way they handled his departures. They essentially paid someone else the money that they should have given him. Isn't he younger? Isn't Lanner younger too? I'm pretty sure, yeah. I just don't understand why they did that. It really does kind of make me think it had to do with his mental health issues, which I'm not. It's kind of crappy. I get it that you're not sure about the longevity of a guy who's had to like take time off, but he's very clearly overcome it. And is such a good advocate for it, and it's just like, how do you let him walk like that? He didn't. He wasn't asking for a lot in terms of term or money either. But yeah, they just didn't want to give it to him. Um, this is a team with a lot of talent. You're not going to have Matt Barzell and, and Jordan Everly and uh, Josh Bailey and not be a talented team. But also, there's a lot of kind of middling talent making a lot of money. Anders Lee is no slouch. He's a very good hockey player. But seven million dollars a year for eight years, seven years was a very rich contract. He'll still be fine this year. Yeah. He's 29 right now. But But at the end, he won't be 29. Uh, Brock Nelson's making $6 million through 2025. Um, Also bad. They got a... But he'll be fine this year. Yeah. Johnny Boychuk, Nick Letty, Thomas Hickey, Ryan Pulak, Adam Pellick, uh, Devin Taves. It's a solid defensive core, too. Except Letty's been regressing, Boychuk's been regressing. I'm I'm hesitant to label those guys as like regressing to the mean as well. I, you could see them have a bounce back season. Defensemen are a little bit. Yeah, I think like Letty's that. a good bounce back candidate. Boychuk, I do not think is a no, good bounce Boy- back candidate. Well, he's candidate. also he's 35 now, right? Like he's not yeah. going to get much better. But at the same time, you shelter his minutes a little bit more. The guy has the capability to be productive as long as you deploy him properly. Yeah, it's just a funny team, and I hesitate to rip on them too much because they're. Uh, you know, will be torn apart because they technically made it farther than the Leafs last year, and they, they get to claim that. Um, but it was uh, it was a very overperforming year last year, and not too much has changed. They almost lost Anders Lee, and then they didn't, and that's it. So I don't I don't see them as Eastern Conference um, semifinalists again. I will be more surprised if they repeat last year's performance than I was when they did last year's performance. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. It just wouldn't make sense. Um, one of the two teams in New York, and both of them are like basically the highlight of every headline surrounding hockey transactions this year, is the Rangers. Um, the Rangers obviously had huge pickup after huge pickup, and that starts in my mind with Capocacco, second overall. Um, could be a, a generational player for them, or, or a, a franchise player, but it's not like they were lacking otherwise, because they also locked in Artemi Panarin at a rich uh, contract at over $11.6 million a year. They have a very talented lineup. Uh, they brought in Jacob Truba as well. They saw Brady Shea on the back end. Adam Fox, they just locked down. Obviously, goaltending is locked down with Henrik Lundqvist um, and uh, Alexander Georgiev. So they're fine on that end. Mika Zabinijad, Chris Kreider. Um, they got a lot there. This isn't going to be their best year, I don't think, because it's going to take time and Kako still needs to develop. But from everything we've seen from Capo Kako, that guy's going to be absolutely unreal. Um, New York swooping in and grabbing uh, Artemi Panarin was actually kind of a surprise for people as well because they were expecting Florida with uh, Bobrovsky. So, again, like picking up Panarin, Truba, and Fox, 
and then grabbing Kako Kako, your team's only going to get better. If it's not this year, it'll be next. Yep. This team is going to be a contender. The even their only concern of of goaltending from Lungfist to Georgia, that'll that should be a pretty smooth transition. If Lungfist wants to keep playing past age thirty nine, they'll let him. And don't forget they still got Shesterkin coming through at some yeah. point. They're, this, they are spoiled. This is one of the best rebuilds I've seen done. And again, nothing is certain. Like we haven't seen anything on the ice yet, and people keep reminding me of that. And you're right, but it is genuinely one of the best rebuilds. Their defense is still bad. Yes, there's no way to sugarcoat that. Getting Truba helps. Adam Fox should be good, but he'll be a rookie. Um, I expect Brady Shea to bounce back this year. That defense is still bad. Now, uh, the other team in the New York way better than Detroit. So you know, he who lives in a glass house, but. The, the team that actually did even better in terms of improving this year, uh, also in the New York area, is the New Jersey Devils. Again, starts and end with their first overall draft pick, Jack Hughes, who has looked filthy. Absolutely. Did you see his breakaway goal? Oh, he just... That was Lundqvist, right? Yep. Yeah, that, Lundqvist didn't... He made Lundqvist look like the rookie. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I'm like, oh my goodness. How do you know how to do that as a... What is he, like 13 years old? Like, yeah. Do you know how hard it is to beat a goalie cleanly on the breakaway five hole on the forehand? Yeah. And he barely, there was barely any lateral movement to it. It's not like he got him to move laterally a ton. He just squeaked it in the smallest spot. He knew what he would be opening up and he just, he legit, like he honestly it, like put postage stamp on that and delivered it right to the back of the net. The kid's a freak. Um, not only did they do that, but they also obviously picked up uh, PK Subban in a very lopsided trade in my mind. Uh, they did what do you mean? They gave up Matt Duchesne for it, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wayne Simmons, they picked up, which isn't a signing I'm like, you know, over the moon about if I'm a Devils fan. But Nikita Gusev, who's looked also fantastic so far, that lo- has looked like a home run swing. Um, they do have some questions now because they have to lock down Taylor Hall after this year. Taylor Hall is not going to be making $6 million after this year. Taylor Hall is probably going to be asking for $12 million after this year. Yeah. And if you look at his stats that are – if you look at his, like, apparent stats, like points, goals, whatever, you look at the eye test and you look at his underlying statistics, he should be making a ton of money. Um, and that will be expensive for them. And he'll have his choice of where he wants to go. So it's up to uh, New Jersey on how they want to handle that. Um, I hear Detroit's very nice. I do. Uh, Sarah Siv talked about how amazing Detroit is. P.K. Subban, Sammy Vatanen, uh, Severson, Will Butcher uh, on the back end. And they have Taylor, Taylor Hall, uh, Jack Hughes, and Nico Heischer. Nico As- Heischer might be the best kept secret in the NHL. Yeah, and he's he- a first overall pick. How does that happen? Yeah. People forget how good Nico Heischer. Hall, Heischer, Hughes? I'm sorry. What? Plus Gusev. Plus they. Don't forget they have. Uh, they picked up Wayne Simmons for a song. Wayne Simmons for $5 million for one year. They Kyle, have Kyle good- Palmieri. Oh, I forgot about, I legitimately forgot about Kyle Palmieri. They got good depth in Miles Wood and Blake Coleman. Jesper Bratt. Jesper Bratt. Yep, forgot about him. Remember, New Jersey made the playoffs two years ago and missed the playoffs last year, but no team in the NHL was more ravaged by injuries last year than New Jersey. So New Jersey might have had the best season imaginable because they ended up with Jack Hughes and are probably going to, regressing to their mean is a significant improvement on last year. Uh, then you add Jack Hughes, PK Subban, and Nikita Gusev and Wayne Simmons. Yeah, I'm I'm so impressed. I'm uh, a lot so of so impressed. Well, a lot of it's luck, but I'm so impressed with what ratio. Yeah, it, a lot of people are ready to anoint like um, 
the Rangers is like the breakout team. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's New it's Jersey. Yeah. It's 100% the Devils. Because New Jersey has recently been there and done that. What's their coach's name? New uh, Jersey's John Hines. Yeah. He's done an excellent job, yep. too. So you look at that roster, you're like, okay, a lot of these are new pieces, so they might not mesh right away. So what's the most important thing to get it going? Their coach. But And also, the problem with New Jersey is they have the same question mark that a lot of teams in the Metro have this year. Goaltending. Yeah. Yeah, they do have. Do we know how good Carolina's goaltending is going to be? No. Islanders? No. Devils? No. Like, there's a lot of... Uh, Columbus? I'm no. A, I'm a big believer in Corey Schneider, and I think he was his injury hampered him, and that's why it took him so long to get back to form. I believe Corey Schneider can absolutely get back to the level he was playing at before, or at least a level enough to facilitate their success to get him to the playoffs. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, right, them. Speaking of uncertain goalie situations, do you think there's any team more happy than to be parading out a sophomore goalie than the Philadelphia oh Flyers? Oh, my God, they're thrilled. And you know what? For good reason. Carter Hart has proven to be a fantastic young goaltender who has a very promising career. Now, they benefit from the fact that goalies always pan out, right? It never goes wrong? Yeah. Oh, 100% <laughs> of the time. So every Flyers fan, the most important thing is that Carter Hart does pan out because they are screwed if he doesn't. Now, this is a team with uh, Claude Drew and Jacob Voracek and James Van Riemsdyk and Sean Couturier, who is uh, – I we, we talk about a lot of the best contracts in the league. Sean Couturier is making $4.3 million a year. If you doubled that, it would still not be enough money. Sean Couturier is one of the – I would call him genuinely the most underrated player in hockey right now. Yep, I would agree with that. He probably outputs – has the same output as Crosby at this point. Like he's Wouldn't go that far. And he's 26 years old. He, they have him at that price for the next three years. That's obscene. He is a phenomenal player that people don't pay attention to. Now, they did pay Kevin Hayes seven over $7.1 million, which is, I don't know, not, I think that's one of the most questionable contracts of this offseason. Um, they had just locked down Ivan Provorov. Uh, they have Shane Gosses Bear for four more years. They have Travis Sandheim for two more. Uh, Robert Haig, this is the last year before showing up as an RFA. they got a lot of talent on this team. And but they've had a lot of talent on this team for a bunch of years. When are they going to put it together? And that's the thing. I I always guess wrong when I say this is Philly's year to do well. This is Philly's year to do poorly. You know, a couple major injuries and all of a sudden they're struggling. Or they could put up seven goals in a game, but their goalie lets in eight. And it's just they've always kind of had that crap luck. Um I just can't stop thinking about all the goalies that got hurt in their cup run when they eventually lost to Chicago. Because who is it? Scott Layton, who was in net in, uh, in the end when uh, Patrick Kane scored on him? Uh, Michael Layton. Michael Layton. Yeah. Michael yeah. Layton. Uh, and I felt so bad because with the competent goaltender, I think that team probably could have won the cup. And it's just the same story. So it remains to be seen about Philly. Uh, now, one of the other teams where. I have a hard time ever betting against them because of who they have is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, now that's the last team we're covering here. Pittsburgh is, they've had years now with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, which meant they had, they had years of the two best centermen in the league in hockey. And they'll have another year of that. Um, don't discount Sidney Crosby as the best player in the world. Uh, I do believe that title belongs to Connor McDavid, but you're talking about most complete player. Sydney, every coach around the league is going to tell you Sidney Crosby. You can never discount a team that has Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Jake Gensel has turned out to be a phenomenal scorer. Um, Brandon Tanev, $3.5 million a year for six years is a bizarre contract. 
I don't know. The way this team has been managed, I feel like their success has been despite that. Um, yes, and this year will be more of the same. This is a very poorly assembled team with bad contracts that will be saved by Matt Murray, Sidney Crosby, and Evgeny Malkin. And uh, Chris Letang's um, refusal to age. Yeah. Every time I counted that guy out, he came back and had a phenomenal season. So, um, yeah, you, they're going to be in the upper echelon just by rights of who they have. This could be a much better team, though. Imagine Pittsburgh with a better cap structure. Yeah. They would win two cups in a row, maybe. <laughs> uh, but no, it wouldn't ever count them out, especially considering we saw St. Louis win the cup last year and they weren't exactly a cup favorite. Pittsburgh could go on a similar run again. Wouldn't be my bet, but won't be a bad team. All right, Brad, let's do it. Standings are Dark Horse and uh, Let Down, and then we'll do standings. So who's your Dark Horse candidate? Am I allowed to pick New Jersey? Uh, yeah. It's it, the New Jersey is the pick here, right? It's it's New Jersey. Like this is this is the most wide open division in the NHL, and it's not close. Everybody, but save for like one or two teams, could legitimately win this division. But the this is obviously the most obvious division for Dark Horse, yeah. for team that's going to come up and team that's going to come down. The Devils are going up. The Islanders are going down. There's I don't see many other picks other than that's that. That's the only two picks. The only I can see a case for Pittsburgh or Washington underperforming, but I'm also not going to pick against Malkin, Crosby, uh, Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, um, Backstrom. Yeah. How, how can I? I made that mistake by saying Buffalo or Boston's not going to do well this year. <laughs> they have eight superstars. It's going to be Islanders going down, Jersey popping up higher than we expect. And that's yep. – we'll end up being wrong because yep. of the laws of hockey universe. Um, and you guys will rub it in our faces and someone will go back four years and say, in this episode, you said this was a certainty. And yeah, because we're stupid. Um, but every, like, any kind of hockey analysis ends up on New Jersey. Oh, man, they're going to be surprisingly good. And the Islanders regress to the mean. They could yep. overperform again. They could, but it would be a surprise. That's all on Varlamov. All right, final standings. Top to bottom. You go. Okay. Washington until someone says otherwise. Carolina. New Jersey. Pittsburgh. Columbus. Island uh, Flyers. Islanders Rangers. I have I can't get past the Rangers defense, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna go crazy here. Okay. I'm gonna go Carolina winning the division. Okay. It's not that crazy. I'm going to go Washington right behind them. That's also not crazy. I put New Jersey here. I got a little weird, Ryan. So you got some standards, buddy. Pittsburgh third. That's not crazy. No. Uh, Columbus fourth. That's not that crazy. Devils fifth. That's a little crazy. Um, Philly sixth. Islanders seventh. Rangers eighth. So no, bo- Sorry. Rangers 7th, Islanders 8th. So we both hate New York. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think the Islanders are actually going to regress that bad, but I just couldn't put them above the other teams. I just Who's bad in this division? Who's yeah. who's truly actually bad in this decision? No. You look at each team and go, why are they going to be last place? And you don't have a good case for it. But one of them has to be last. Uh, okay. Before we get into overtime now, I'm going to read out uh, our sponsorship. I just got this message from Daniel Lighting who, for those of you on YouTube who love the brand new lighting on our faces, this is uh, by a listener who sponsored us uh, for a few episodes, uh, courtesy of Daniel Lighting. Yes, we see the pun here. Uh, lighting's landscape, lawn and snow. 
Give us a call with your dumb landscape ideas, and we will fix them. We're located in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, where Austin hasn't shit his pants in a work truck for 36 work days. And when we do a bad job, don't worry. We'll own up to it. And if you like unfinished websites, go to www.lightings.com. Again, that's www.leitings.com. That's a fan's... I love that this is, like, homegrown. Like, this isn't, uh, like, a mega company. It's a fan who's like, yep, I want to do this for you. And uh, I was like... I'll, you're sponsoring this, so like you should do a readout. He's like, "Oh, cool!" So I'm gonna make something funny for my company. <laughs> uh, so thank you again, Daniel. Uh, we're gonna get to overtime, where our patrons' comments are read out on air as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show, uh, guys. The lifeblood of the show is Patreon, and we are getting so close to uh, 200 patrons, which is absolutely out of this world. So thank you all so much. Uh, we will start with Evan Beckner, who says, uh, "Sup, guys." How about that Ernie guy, eh? I'm uh, impressed so far and would love to see him on the third line. A lot more of an offensive side than I thought, and I don't care what people say about him dodging the Martin hit. That was pure gold. P.S. Congrats on the gold, Brad, you bender. That's an appropriate way to describe me. (laughs) Uh, I haven't heard that as a hockey insult in a while. Bender, it's been a while. Yeah. I also haven't been called a grocery stick in a while. Oh, that one's rough. That's... It's been a while. Yeah. I'll take that as a win. I've told the story a lot, but I've... I felt really bad the one time when I called a backup goalie a backup goalie. I felt that was a little bit too hurtful. <laughs> he was stripping me from the bench. And I'm like, you're a backup goalie on a losing team. And he just looked at me like, what the hell, man? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Flattus Maximus says, top of the crease to you, dub, dub, dub duds. Um, because I have an unhealthy attachment to our AHL boys, how do you think our AHLers have looked so far this preseason? Kid and Fulcher aside. You already know I, uh, I have love for Joe Hicketts and will fully take whatever said about him out of, con- out of context dramatically. Love the show as always, boys. Keep it zoppity. I love Joe Hicketts and I wish he was the sixth or seventh defenseman on this team. I agree. Uh, other than the the rest of the guys who are definitely scheduled in for Grand Rapids, the only one I've noticed and say has performed well is Pumple. Yeah, Pumple's had a really good preseason. He's got zero chance of making the Red Wings, no. but he'll be good for Grand Rapids this yeah, year. Yeah, that's nice to see that he'll have that uh, ability to be a top-end talent in the AHL. And then he'll slot in when needed for injury for a few games here and there. He won't be an impact player, but that's still good to have. Poor guy won't even make the top line on Grand Rapids, though, because that might will prob- that will probably be Valeno Zadina Rasmussen. <laughs> At this rate, yes. Uh, Joseph Fournier says, oh, man, I didn't know Pavel Datsuk played for the Tavistock Royals. Number 13 out there with an A on his chest. Stay fresh, cheese bags. When you lace them up back, when you lace them back up for a semi-pro tryout, keep your talent fresh and fade free. Way to go, Brad. Thank you. Uh, This is the time of year where we get excited about prospect performances in development camp, prospect tourney, and exhibition. My friends out there, please keep in mind that the numbers have to make sense. There are only so many roster spots to go around, and not all of our favorites will make the team. The business end factors into a lot of it as well. Do we want to make Joe Hicketts a 7th or 8th defenseman or risk losing this asset for nothing? Is it really worth it as much as we want to to hope that Erickson and Daly are bought out? Eisman said this would take time and we owe him a little bit of our patience. LOL, I said business end. <laughs> I was like, this is all sounding way too rational, Joseph. Uh, that being said, who has disappointed you so far? I've been quite underwhelmed with Lind- Lindstrom. Stay fresh cheese bags because it's never going away. I received a few messages from you telling me to not abandon the cheese. Fret not, it's here to stay for eternity. See ya, see ya at Founders. Um, Lindstrom, I think that's just the style of game he plays. Yeah. Um, disappointed pointing i don't know if there's anybody in preseason yet i mean i would still like to see zadine on the scoreboard but whatever the, the way you look at preseason it's like it's unfair to really hold it terribly against players 
if they come out and are atrocious, that's one thing. But if they don't produce in it's preseason. If they don't produce in preseason, it's fine. I think Zadina's been playing good hockey. Yeah. Um, I agree that Lindstrom isn't as big of a phenom as as uh, maybe the organization has made him out to be, or at least not yet. But if that's just not the style of his game, then that's not the style of his game. I want to see how these next few games pan out. And there's going to be one tonight. The first one, Larkin's going to be playing in all preseason, actually, which is important. Um, Matthew Tangsrud says, Hey, Brad, Ryan, and Evan. If he's been released from the Witness Protection Program or whatever secret society he may be a part of. Sorry for the deception from last week, but it came down to a simple fact. Rowan follows me on Twitter and you guys don't. <laughs> I know where my loyalties lay. Still can't promise that it wouldn't happen again, even if you followed me either, though. Uh, congrats, Brad, on your preseason semi-pro goal. But just want to remind you that you only have one preseason semi-pro goal than I do. Uh, and that's probably what I'm going to end with. So I'm taking it. So don't think you're in too elite a company like with the likes of Darren Helm or anyone like that. Really like seeing all the young players getting opportunities to demonstrate the talent they have and what we can look forward to in the future. But just want to remind ourselves that being a great NHL player is an everyday thing and it takes time to learn what that means. We saw Larkin struggle midway through his rookie season in a decent chunk, chunk of his second year. We saw Athens U stand out in some games and then be invisible in others. Mantha has admitted that he struggled with the notion that he couldn't just show up and automatically get a goal and assist in the pros like he could in juniors. Plus, the grind that an NHL schedule puts on these young guys is difficult for them to prepare for until they start experiencing it. Don't get me wrong. These young guys are giving us some hope, but they, they probably aren't going to get us 15 more wins a year yet. But no stay fresh cheese bags for, the, for these guys. They have to be playing either in Detroit or Grand Rapids. Thanks, guys, for living, uh, giving a chance to give out this lecture and keep up the good work. Later, dud duds. Uh, lots of rationality coming. <laughs> it's um, weird. It's, did we transport into a different universe with different listeners? <laughs> Art, you know what? The fans have always been very rational with their takes. Once you get into the Facebook comments and things like that, <laughs> you get some colorful stuff. Cody G, who I believe is a new patron. Yes. Welcome, Cody G, and thank you so much for your support. Uh, he says, good effort on pronouncing Mongolia's capital last week. It's not an easy one. Maybe this will help. Olan, but Olan Batar. Oh, I forget what even... Uh, it was it means red hero in mongolian to spare those not interested i'll move on to hockey we're getting a little full on fills aren't we speaking of what are the chances of heronic topping 40 points this year unfortunately i feel like he'll experience a bit of a slump but of course i'm not hoping for that regarding the other fills do you think philpula stats will increase decrease or stay the same from previous years decrease he had an un uh, unsustainably good season last year if you look by his metrics he should not have performed to that level uh, Heronic hitting 40. I mean, he was, if he played 82 games last year at his pace, would have been 41. But he is essentially going into his first full NHL season, and it's a grind. If I had to bet, I'd bet the under. But I don't think it'll be by much. And if it's over, oh, are we thrilled. Um, yeah, he's just not on the right side of the aging regression curve. It's not even a knock on him. I just you you don't bet on that really. Uh, Cody well. continues to say, and whenever Zadina has his rookie season, do you think he can figure out scoring at the NHL level and top twenty goals? He's looked good at times, but rattled at others. He sounds confident when he speaks in interviews, but has crazy amounts of whiffs in the games that make him look nervous. By our tie, he he will get there. It will just take time. Yeah. Justin Klinsky says, not only does Brad score in the bed sheets, he also scores in the score sheets. Close enough. Uh, and then he also made a, uh, an inside joke from the uh, Patreon-exclusive Discord that I'm not going to read out loud. Um, I gave him a, I, I made the mistake of giving him a little bit of insight into my personal life. <laughs> They've run with it. Uh, Big mistake, Ryan. Nick uh, Toyaz, and uh, 
I always forget. Uh, he says, hey, gents, you just retweeted a post about Larkin showing a bunch of red and blue around the nets. Will you explain what that means as I'm trying to understand the analytics and the in-depth part of the game? Thanks. Yes. So this is <coughs> – bless you, Brad. Uh, Thank you. This is from HockeyViz, uh, Micah McCurdy. We have an episode where we did an interview with Micah McCurdy and the work that he does. I highly recommend that you guys go back and listen to that episode. It's one of my favorite interviews that we've ever done. HockeyViz is an incredible resource. And Micah does a lot of different, uh, basically, uh, graph or statistical analysis that he puts into beautiful graphical representations. And one of them is heat maps. And what he does is he shows the top half of the ice and the bottom half of the ice. And it'll show like red and blue zones. And what it always measures is a player's impact on the offense in that zone. So pretty much you want to see a percentage, a positive percentage in the player's offensive zone and a negative percentage in the player's defensive zone. Because that means they generate offense for their team and they suppress offense for the other team. Uh, he put it out for Larkins. Dude, Larkin, Larkin's heat maps. Did you see them? Yep. They're nuts. Yep. Larkin's heat maps are like, yeah, that's a number one center. That's a top line center. Holy. that With his supporting cast too, that's really saying that something. It's really saying something. Granted, the guy is being fed minutes, but they're not easy minutes. He's playing against the team's best players now, especially last season. Yeah, it means in the top half, you want to see more red than blue and a positive number. In the bottom half, you want to see more blue than red and a negative number. He suppresses shots and he generates offense. It's fantastic. Uh, Jacob Lozen says, Aloha, dud duds. My first hockey game was a success. However, uh, my idea that all the other players drinking for eight hours prior did not work. It made them better. I managed a goal and a sick assist, a center pass from behind the goal. I dig your player comparisons, so here's mine. I was a real Taro Hirose, a pleasant surprise. I have an idea for content, but oh man, it would be a real time consumer, so I understand if it's not feasible. What players, if the expansion draft happened today, would Seattle take? Uh, maybe each of you cheesebags could create your teams. What players and our contracts would the other 31 teams protect? Sounds like a lot of research to me. Probably would have been a better topic for the offseason. Anyhow, stay fresh, cheesebags. Keep your sticks on the ice. We'll do that for Patreon exclusive throughout the year, and we'll also revisit it as we get closer to Seattle. Because Seattle's still technically a couple years away. But as 2020, they, they dropped the puck, right? So Is it 2020? Or is it 2021? I legitimately cannot remember. Let's look this up. Seattle, NHL. I think it's two more seasons, so that make it 2021. 2021, 2022. Yeah, so yeah. 2021. So we're a couple of years away. So it's a little bit muddy right now. We'll do like some fun speculation. We'll make that a Patreon exclusive episode. Um, yeah, and th- that'll be a fun one. Um, all right, we have time for some Reddit questions because I know we didn't take any last week. Uh, we'll start out with um, Harsies or Harchies. I'm. I believe it's Heartsies on Reddit. He says, I'm new to podcasts and just finished listening to your Steve Eisman episode. And I got to relive the excitement through you. Uh, back in April, when I was waiting for the press conference to start, my wife actually said I looked happier than on our wedding day. Completely feel that man. <laughs> uh, anyways, Brad, I know it's a little late, but congrats on the second baby. Do you know what you're having? Yep. Little boy due in less than two months, less than two months. Uh, due on my birthday. Uh, yeah. Graffinino says, hey, guys, congrats on 1K YouTube subs. Love getting back to the hockey groove, especially with my Cubs doing everything they can to miss the playoffs. This isn't so hockey related, so I totally understand if it doesn't get read, et cetera, et cetera. Just want to share a pretty cool adoption of fundraiser we're doing on October 4th, attempting to set a Guinness World Record by throwing 2,500 pitches in eight hours. The whole thing will be live streamed for the world. My shoulder. <laughs> to see me not try to blow my arm out. If any of you are willing to share the link, it's uh, pledgeit.org slash pitch in for adoption. Seems like a great cause, and I fear for your rotator cuff, so yeah, absolutely. 
Can, so, are you ambidextrous? Yeah. <laughs> you will be by the end of the day. Um, Does it have to go over the plate to count? Joe Cool Reed says, would we, would we want to take on Winnipeg's uh, – or what would we want from Winnipeg if we were to take on Bufflin's contract? Uh, it'll be irrelevant because if he doesn't play, I don't think uh, there's any cap applications for oh, them. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because of the, they just suspended him for formality reasons, so I don't think it'll matter that much from what I was to understand. I don't know what his cap hit is. Um, I'm going to look it up right it's now. It's more about the term because Detroit won't need the cap for a couple of years, so – if Marlowe's contract got a first round, that's where I would start. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have to be a first round pick. Again, it's not exactly relevant, but I just want to find this. Jets, 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 Jets. They really got to change their logo. Uh, yeah, he is... Oh, he's not even showing up on this. Oh, Dustin Bufflin. One more year at 7.6. Okay. Yeah, no, that's nothing. Happily. No. Yeah, happily. Yeah, so that's uh, that's this episode. Um Thank you to Sarah Siv and thank you for uh, to Allison Lucan for coming on. Uh, we are going to be transitioning back to two weeks very soon. As usual, guys, check us out on YouTube. We have a lot more YouTube. Uh, all these episodes are showing up on YouTube. Way more YouTube content coming out. Um, we, we're scoping out and starting to uh, buy things for the studio. So the studio will be coming soon-ish. We'll be working on that as the season goes on. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our name-level sponsors. Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Don Mitchell, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Sean Levine, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Mike DiLoretto, and Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much. And stay fresh, cheese bags. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.